those who were in the school, you would know that the seer gifting is all about fathoming mysteries. And I want to bring to you today one of these mysteries from the Bible that actually isn't preached about much in churches that I've been part of. It might be preached a bit more here. I'm, I don't know your, your history and your past, but I love your culture. It's awesome. And it's a culture of honor. It's a culture of love, culture of freedom, culture of absolute blessing. And Jesus' presence is so sweet here. Today, basically, what sums up this is Job 19, verse 27. It says, I will stand before the Lord and see him with my own eyes. And I've got a story here through the Bible that is a mishmash of lots of different passages, lots of different books. I'm not going to tell you the passages because we'll be here for ages. But I've gathered all of them together and got a chronology of what's going to happen right at the end of time to give you a picture of what's waiting for us that Jesus promised. And then I'm going to talk to you about what he has in store for you. So, the readings begin. I cover the book of Revelation, Corinthians, other New Testaments, and Old Testament. So let's just dive in deep. I'm going to read these passages, and I just want you to listen. I want you to engage your hearts in this. So if you feel comfortable, close your eyes, and as you listen to these stories, just let the Holy Spirit carry your imagination in your picture of your mind. When I saw him, that is Jesus, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. In Christ, all will be made alive. Each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father, to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him, he was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Our work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will 
receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For, for the old order of things has passed away. Jesus says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. What an amazing story. That is dotted throughout various books in various places. And I think actually it portrays a message of hope, a message of reward and blessing. But before we unpack that a little bit, I'm going to tell you about my own experience. I've got two which I want to tell you. The first one was when I met Jesus in 2000 and when did I go to university? 2002. It was September. And before I met Jesus, I was involved in some really, really dark stuff. I mean, I'll just say a few names of what it was so you've got an idea. Black magic, sorcery, necromancy, mediumship, all bad stuff, devil worship, Satan worship. Yeah, I probably wasn't your key candidate for the kingdom of God, right, by my, by my credentials. But I got to the point where I'd seen a lot of bad stuff, and I realized, actually, if I look at my life and what I have done, pain I have caused the demons that I knew by name, I wasn't going to have a nice end to my life. <laughs> and I knew in my heart, I needed Jesus. I don't know why, because I had never been to church. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't have a Christian upbringing. I was brought up to not believe in God. But something inside said, I know Jesus because I know he can save me from hell. And so I cried out. I said, Jesus Christ, I didn't have much faith. I just said, if you're the son of God, save me. And suddenly I was captured. I was taken up into a new place. I was surrounded by bright white light. And around me were many tall angelic beings. And light was glowing from them. But in the middle was a great white throne. And there was one sat on the throne, and I could see the light that filled this place was coming from that one who was sat on the throne. And he stood up, he stepped towards me, and he wrapped his arms around me. And then I was taken into his presence, and I heard his voice say, I am Jesus Christ. I love you. I forgive you. After that, I 
stopped everything I was doing. I knew I had to change my life. I followed Jesus. Fast forward 10 years. I got rid of everything. And in 10 years' time, I was following Jesus. But I was in another rut in my life, a very different rut. I was desperate. I was hungry for God. But I died. And suddenly, I found myself standing in a place that was unfamiliar, but peaceful. And I saw Jesus standing with me. I said, where am I? And Jesus, you know Jesus, he loves to talk in riddles. He loves to, you know, draw out of you, tease out of you a little bit of conversation. He said, you shouldn't be here. There's <laughs> no answering my question. I don't know where I am. He said, this isn't your time. He said, Lee, will you get back? Because I have more for you to do. And I considered it, I'm honest. I considered staying and not coming back. Because that place is so beautiful. I wanted to be with Jesus forever. There was no more pain. There was no more suffering. That desperate hunger was satisfied in Jesus, just being with him. But I knew this world needed him. It needs him still. And I said, Jesus, I will go back for you. Suddenly I found myself awake in the bed. And I've got a, a friend who is a very high medical consultant in hospital. And he told me the conditions that I found myself in, I should be brain dead, medically. He said, it's a miracle you're not. So I'll just leave that with you. Heaven is real. It's a, This story we've heard through the Bible is a story of triumph, glory, and reward. You know, we may have received some ideas that we hold about the end, about hell, about heaven, about the devil, about God. And I can guarantee you that there'll be some people here that actually, this is beginning to stir you and think, maybe what I've heard is wrong. Maybe what I believe, I need to reframe that and see from God's perspective the truth of what comes at the end. This is the truth. Jesus Christ has the victory. The glory belongs to the Father, God the Father, and the devil is reduced to nothing. As those who believe in Jesus Christ, we have a great reward waiting for us. Just quickly, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus makes it clear. He says, anybody who believes in my name will have eternal life. It's really that simple. It's not any more complicated than that. There's a lot more to living as a disciple of Jesus. But if you just believe in his name, if you believe he lived and existed, that he died on the cross and resurrected, ascended into heaven, if you just believe in his name, he's given you eternal life. 
It's that simple. You wouldn't go to the painstaking effort of descending from heaven, being born as a small baby and growing for 33 years under persecution from the Roman Empire as a Jew, of persecution from his own people who he loved, to then die and suffer on the cross, lose all his blood, all his breath, excruciating pain. He wouldn't go for all that effort if it was much more complicated to have eternal life. He did all of that to make it really, really simple for us to enter into eternity. So if you believe in Jesus, you've already got eternal life. It's granted to you. So let's have a look at some of the things now that are promised. In Revelation, John talks about seeing Jesus. Just read the book of Revelation. The picture of Jesus is phenomenal. John describes him as having an appearance of bronze. Burnished bronze is what it says. But in Greek culture, there was no word for bronze. It was more like a description to say that the appearance of Jesus is the same as looking at a really polished piece of metal with the sun gleaming on it. You can't look at it for very long because it's so bright. And this is the presence of Jesus. He's glorious. There is, he's the most glorious thing you can ever see. It's captivating. It's a captivating glory. But you know what's more than this? John's making a point. Jesus' light, his presence, his appearance is like a piece of metal that reflects the sun in the brightest of way. John is saying here, Jesus, his appearance is a reflection of the true light that comes from Father God. He is saying, if you want to know God, if you want to know the Father, look at Jesus. He is the direct representation of the Father. So he is saying, when we meet Jesus and see him, we are meeting the Father. How incredible is that? And we're going to be living with him, seeing him face to face. We are going to be seeing the representation of the Father face to face. How incredible is that? What is the Father like? What is Father God like? I've got a few things to describe the Father. Filled with extreme happiness because of us, because of you. God is filled with extreme excitement because of you. He looks at you. He is just bursting with joy because of Jesus Christ. He is filled with pleasure when he gives us the rewards of his kingdom. He is busy building rewards for us in heaven. And they cannot be taken away from you. Once he's built it, it's there. It's eternal. It's an eternal reward. And he is busy constantly preparing a place for us. Jesus said, Behold, I go ahead of you. I prepare a place for you, and I will come back to you. I will not leave you. That's what we're waiting for, right? We're waiting for that return. 
Remember, Jesus said, look, I'm coming and I bring my reward with me. The Father God is so filled with pleasure to give us the reward of his kingdom. He's excited to give us the inheritance that is stored up for us in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Inheritance is a strange thing, right? It's only given to us when the person who owns it dies. Well, Jesus did die, which means the inheritance is here for you now. The inheritance that God had stored up for us and designed for us is here for you now. The first one is eternal life, wrapped up with Holy Spirit, in your heart. This is God living inside you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, ask God for the Holy Spirit. Because that is your inheritance. The Bible also says, if we believe in Jesus Christ, we have the right to become children of God. Did you know that it's your birthright, spiritually, to become a child of God? How incredible. But one thing we need to know is God is not tolerant of evil. He is not tolerant of spiritual wickedness. He will not tolerate it. That's why there remains no salvation for any angel who disobeys, who abandons their position of authority. The only place that remains for them is destruction and eternal torment in the lake of fire. God will not tolerate evil or spiritual wickedness. God wants to dwell with us. God wants to dwell with you so eagerly. It is his passion to be among you, to be among us. And now let's skip towards this, this thing called judgment. It's quite scary, right? How many people, just show your hand, if you think about judgment day, of God, how many of us kind of like say, oh, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to be found out. Is there something in my life that God is going to say, actually, I don't like this? Is God going to point that out to everybody? Ever before and say, hey, Lee has done this. Look at this, everybody. <laughs> you know, I used to believe that. I used to fear that until I started to unpack the Bible. And I saw actually what does happen on that day. How do you feel about that day? Do you have questions like, will I be judged? Or will I be saved? Will I escape the fire? Will I go into eternal salvation? Is all that Jesus Christ promised really true? And I'll give you some clear answers. And I want to unpack what is this judgment actually? Because I can guarantee you for us, if we believe in Jesus Christ, it is not condemnation. It is not punishment. It is a blessing and a reward. The word for judgment in Greek 
It actually means to weigh up a decision, to consider the evidence, and to make a decision, to come to a conclusion. The book of Revelation tells us that God has written down everything in these books. He's recorded it for everybody. And then he makes a decision. He says, okay, I'm going to test what's written. It doesn't, it doesn't say that he exposes it before everybody because God is a God of honor. He's a God of protection and a God of provision. So he takes you into his arms. He says, I am Jesus Christ. I love you. I forgive you. But hey, I need to actually get you your reward. And to do that, I need to take all this stuff I need to put it through my testing fire and see what comes out. Do you know, diamonds are not made unless there's extreme heat and pressure, and yet they're the most valuable jewel on earth? This is what's going on. Jesus says, I want to take all your life and put it through my refining fire because I want to produce something of worth from this. I want to give you your reward. This is what's going to happen. This is what it means for us that we will face that judgment. It's a judgment. It's a decision that says, considering all the evidence of your life, I want to find the rewards and draw them out and bless you with them for eternity. How incredible is that? I just encourage you to read that passage in Revelation when you get home and just ask God, God, draw, let me draw out these precious gems of truth and love. Just catching up with where I am in my notes. You know, God is so full of grace, so full of love. He's so beautiful. You know, Luke eighteen thirty. Jesus tells us a basic spiritual principle. If anyone believes in Jesus Christ and suffers loss because of him, how many of us here have actually can count the cost of following Jesus? You made a decision and it hurt. You made a decision, cost you something. Well, if that's happened to you, Jesus says, you will receive more in this age, the next age, and eternal life. You see, what Jesus does is he takes all the strange and horrible and difficult and challenging things that we face in this life, and he turns them into a blessing. Not just in eternal life. He wants to give us a blessing here. You know, my own dad disowned me because of my faith. He said, you're not my son anymore. The only way you can be my son is if you proclaim publicly that everything that you, has happened in your life with Jesus is a lie. Then he threatened me with a court case because I wouldn't. He wanted the courts to prove what I was saying was a lie. Years later, I reconciled with him because he softened. And I said, why did you do that? Why? Why? He said, because I do believe it's a lie. I don't believe any of it is true. You see, what I was raised with, to hate Jesus. 
But Jesus turned that around. I have a relationship with my dad now. Yeah? Jesus says he will take all the challenging stuff, all the difficult stuff, all the loss you have suffered, and you will receive. That's the goal here. God is about blessing. God is about turning things around. Now, I'm talking about this life, but Jesus also says you will receive more in the next stage and forever. So you're going to keep receiving. It's not a one-time thing. It keeps going on and going on, and God just keeps building and building and building. It's like, um, you know, investing in stocks and shares that just keep going up and up and up and up and up. It never stops. The blessing of God never stops. He's feeling encouraged right now. Yeah, there's a lot that God has for you. And there's stuff which you won't be able to remember because we can't remember everything we've been through. But God remembers, and God turns it all into a blessing if you believe in Jesus. Everything is a blessing. It's a deep spiritual mystery. You know, the Bible says that the angels long to look into the mystery of the gospel, but they're not permitted. Which is a really strange thing, right? Because this blessing isn't for them. It's for us. Reserved for us in Christ since the beginning of time. So if you are in Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, you've only got good things coming to you for eternity. Now let's talk about the other side, the thing that we don't talk about much in church, right? But we have to know the reality, to dispel the fear that is right through the church at the moment, especially after COVID, especially after what's been happening in Russia and Ukraine. We all have a fear of great evil coming through. There's a fear I get a lot of people saying, is, is the beast here now? Or where, you know, is this the, the mark of the beast? Is this the great evil? Is this the great antichrist? But I want to tell you the truth. We don't need to be afraid. I'm just going to mention a few pictures of this place called hell that are common and commonly shown to us through media and subconsciously we grab them and they color our picture of God and our picture of the truth and lead us into fear. And I want to break that off us today. So these are the three pictures that are quite common. A hot place full of fiery stones, brimstone if you like, where humans are detained and tormented by demons of the devil. Pitchforks. That's a really old picture. It's a, it's a medieval picture. It actually is not true. Or a dark place where there is no light, it's cold, it's desolate, and there is only everlasting suffering. Not true. Or a great fiery furnace where the devil has his throne and is the gatekeeper and oversees all who go there. That's not true. You see, at the end, it tells us that Satan gathers all that he can. And you know it says he gathers them from this place called Gog and Magog. 
but I've researched and I've found out that actually these, these two places don't exist. They're not even words. They're gobbledygook. So what God is saying here is, is Satan goes all through all the earth and he gathers all these people that are loyal to him from blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. It's basically nonsense. He's like, he's doing all this and it's nonsense. And he stands in the plains of Armageddon, which is a spiritual place. And he's ready to fight Jesus, ready to fight the church. So I've got all my loyal followers from blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Jesus is like, speaks, we don't know what he says. But suddenly they're all destroyed. It's a really simple end. He was reduced to nothing. This is the power of Jesus. All evil is reduced to nothing. It has no place at the end. There is only blessing at the end. That's what's stored up for us. Satan, the demons, and all evil, they're burned up. They're in the lake of fire. And anything bad and evil is put through the testing fires of Jesus. Some of it will be burned up, all the bad will be burned up, because it has no place in eternity. All the consequences are forgotten. Do you remember the ash from a fire? Or do you remember the beautiful flames and the light that it produces? And the warmth. The tender, cozy warmth. You don't remember the ash. No one treasures the ash. And there's a point to that. We treasure what comes out. And what comes out are those blessings and rewards for us. We have escaped from death. Let's talk about heavenly rewards. What are these rewards? They are beautiful. I'll say it again because I never got tired of saying it. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, there are rewards promised. So do everything you can to rid yourself of evil, wickedness, things that aren't of the kingdom of God, things of sin, things that weigh you down. Just get rid of it. Press on to the glory of Jesus. Press on to the things of kingdom. Your only joy, righteousness, love, blessing. You know, when I was um, involved in all that stuff in my teenage years to a young adult, I was the most angriest person. I did some serious bad things to people because I was angry. I was bitter. I was full of hate. Turn my back on that. I pursued love, kindness, peace, joy. <laughs> because why not? It's Jesus. He's beautiful. And Jesus goes ahead of us to prepare a new, unique place of dwelling for you. Unique to you. It's your own special place. That's what Jesus says. I go ahead of you to prepare a place for you. And it's a beautiful place. It's unique to you. Now, you won't be surprised for those who've been in the school to hear me say I visited some of these places. And I, I don't like to boast. I don't like to make myself out to be this super spiritual person. As, as you've also seen in the school, I'm not. I make funny mistakes. So I don't want you to put me on a pedestal. 
But I do want to give you a hope, and I want to share something about this, this place. I've got a few stories. So I was in church one day like this, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, there is a lady here called Sharon. She's a member of this church, but she's not here today. She has a small gray dog, and then he took me into the heavenly realm. I saw her house in heaven, and the gray dog in the house in heaven. I said, well, God, if she's not here, why are you showing me this? He said, you need to ask your friend, who is Sharon? And you will find out why I'm showing you. So I did. I said, well, do you know anyone here called Sharon? And my friend said, well, no, they're not here today. So I said, but you do know them. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 I do know them. So my friend connected me up with Sharon and her husband, and I had a coffee with them. They didn't know why I wanted a coffee with them. So when I started saying, oh, yeah, you know, I got, got took me into the heavenly realms and I saw your house, they were fascinated. I told them the color of the door. And when the door opened, this small Yorkshire Terrier gray dog leapt up with joy. They started crying. They said, you don't know us. We don't know you. But ten years ago, we were so fond of a grey Yorkshire Terrier. We had a house that had a blue door. We loved that house. We loved that dog. And we always wondered, will that dog be with us in the heavenly realm? Or will our beloved pet, will we see it again? Because it was taken from us in a bad way. God restores things in beautiful ways. This one might make me cry. And it's sensitive, so if you need to cry, it's, it's okay. I was in church again during the worship. God took me into the heavenly realms, and I knew because I couldn't see the church anymore. He took me to this place, this gathering of a family and a big house behind with a garden. So I knew I was in the mansion houses. Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. And I walked up and there were two slender, dark-haired women about 30 years old. And behind them was a gathering of grandparents about 90 years old. I said, why am I seeing this, Jesus? He said, these people are preparing a house with me for your friends on the other side of the church. And then he brought me back. And he said, Lee, I want you to share this story with your friends. And I said, Jesus, this is a crazy story to share. How can I tell them I've just been into the heavenly realms and seen their house? He said, just, just tell it to them and see. So I walked over to my friends, and I, I, you know, I like to do this thing where I ask permission to share, so that they can say, you know, enough is enough, if they don't feel comfortable with this kind of thing, and I thank you for letting me talk about it here, I know it's a bit stretching. But I explained, I said what I saw, and they started crying again. I'm pretty used to people starting crying now. 
And he said, you have no idea what happened to us 30 years ago. We had a miscarriage of twins. They would have been 30 years old and we knew they were two girls. He said it was a bad thing and they had shame. And they believed that they were under judgment. Do you remember, we've just looked at what judgment really is. It's a decision to give us a blessing. They were under judgment, believing they were going to be condemned. They believed their two girls had been taken from them in a judgment decision from God. But that is a false picture of God. It's a terrible picture of God. It's not the truth of the gospel, which is that Jesus gives us grace, forgiveness, and blessing. And if we lose stuff in this world, we will restore more throughout eternity. And so what I said, I told my friends that what I saw, and they said, what you also don't know is we have recently lost our parents, who would be about 90 years old. Their birthday is actually tomorrow, and we're visiting our brother and his wife, who are grieving, because we were all going to celebrate their 90th birthday this weekend. And they said, do you give us permission to tell them this story? Because this will give them great encouragement. Because they, they were all, the whole family was under this condemnation and this heavy weight. And they said, suddenly we feel free in Jesus. Jesus is so good. Heaven is so real. The blessings waiting for you are so real. This one is personal. My granddad died. My family hated Jesus. Whenever I spoke about Jesus, I was called the most horrific names. One of them was, I was likened to Hitler. Don't know why. I was told by my own dad back then, 20 odd years ago, that the message I bring is equivalent to the evil of Hitler. It's what he said. I forgive him for it. And I love him. I have a relationship with him now. He was a different man back then. I've been praying for him and God has changed his heart. Bless him. Every time I spoke about Jesus, I received pretty harsh words. I was even forbidden to celebrate Christmas in my own house. It's quite stark, hey? I was threatened with being homeless. You have no place in our house if you're going to bring God here. I said, Dad, I love you. God loves you. That's what I'm going to tell you. So talking about Jesus with my grandparents, it's hard. They were my dad's parents. My granddad was a quiet man. He never spoke. He never discussed. If I spoke to him, he'd respond with, Hmm. <laughs> I didn't know where he was at. But God said, Lee, I want you to move in with your grandparents. And it was actually, this was after I got restored back to my, my own dad. He was the one who suggested it too. He worked that bridge with me, and I lived with my grandparents during the final days of my granddad's life. I saw him pass away. And on that day that he passed away, I was standing in the hospital room with him, 
and I didn't know whether or not he believed in Jesus. But at the time, I was studying basically the angel that looks over death. Not not death as in, like, you know, the green rebirth, but I mean like the passage of death, going into new life with Jesus, eternal life. And I saw him come into the hospital room and his legions of angels clothed in white, and he stood around the bed of my granddad. And I knew that he was going to go. And sure enough, he did that hour. I didn't know where they had taken him, because I knew that those angels were assigned to carry people to the next stage. But I didn't know enough. And suddenly, about two days later, I'm again caught up into the heavenly realms, and I'm walking with Jesus through some trees and some fields, and it's, I can feel the heat of the sun coming down. It's a beautiful place, and suddenly, I was familiar enough by now to know that these places are places of peace and presence of God. They're actually spiritual beings in the heavenly realms who go to these places to sit under trees to just be with God, to bask in his presence and to learn more about him. And sure enough, I saw this young man sitting under the tree. I didn't recognize him at first. until he turned towards me. He called me by name, and Jesus was standing behind him. I said, you're on my ground, and he said, yes. I said, Jesus, what is going on here? This is, this is all of my experience, and I've seen it a lot. And my granddad said, I've been learning about Jesus. He said, time of you is not the same as time in heaven. I've been learning about Jesus for all this time. And he said, well, I didn't have any words. But he said to me, as a son, you need to go back to your mom and tell her this. The we had a ginger cat, and I called it a crazy cat. And then you will know that this is real. And then suddenly I was back on earth. Now, I did not reach out to my granddad's spirit or anything like that. This is not mediumship. Just to say that this, I was taken by surprise into a counter, taken to that place, and I did not know where I was to begin with. But I was with Jesus. So when I came back, I said, well, I said, well, you know about me and my faith. I said, something crazy has happened. Can I ask you a question? She said, of course. So I said, did you have a ginger cat that Gramps, that's what we called Granddad, called Crazy Cat. I expected her to say, no, 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 you're being crazy, of course not. But she said, oh, yeah, 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 we did have a ginger cat, and we used to call it the Crazy Cat. <laughs> I surrendered. I said, okay, my granddad is in heaven. And when I asked my mom, I said, man, you know my faith, and I know that you don't believe. But my mom said, well, your granddad always used to watch those documentaries about Jesus because he loved his history. He loved his stories. It's as simple as that. If you even have a glimmer of belief in Jesus, you've got a lot of reward coming for you in the end. He loves you so much. And I want to leave it there. Thank you so much.